0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, we did it. Let's wrap up this Kingdom Hearts retrospective with Kingdom Hearts 0.2, A Fragmentary Passage. Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we Geek Explain it. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and welcome to a special rainy day edition of the podcast. Uh, it has been raining uh, pretty consistently here in Los Angeles uh, for most of this week. It kind of started at the end of last week, and it's been just rolling on through pretty much every day. We've been getting a rainstorm uh, of some variety. And uh, so if you hear any kind of like uh, patterning against the window, any droplets or anything, that is why. But um, enough of the weather forecast. We are finally here. Uh, We have been consistently going from month to month since July. uh, Checking out every game of the Kingdom Hearts series as part of this Kingdom Hearts retrospective. Uh, We started with Kingdom Hearts 1 back in July, worked our way through every single game on release order uh, up till now. So we are nine games in. Uh, If you do count this like I do, uh, we have arrived at game number nine, that being Kingdom Hearts 0.2 A Fragmentary Passage. Now this game is uh, is interesting in a couple of ways because it came as part of the uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 uh, Final Chapter Prologue bundle. You know, much I love those uh, those arbitrary names, and um, this is basically not really like I would consider like a full game. It's kind of similar to uh, if any of you are uh, Metal Gear Solid fans, it's kind of like Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes in that there is a lot to do and if you want you can really fill out the time and turn this into like a 10-15 hour game if you wanted to but if you just go through the story it is probably around maybe like five hours so um needless to say i i really enjoyed it um i'm excited for us because this is the final stop before we get to uh kingdom Hearts 3 so i'm super excited about it uh we do have uh two more episodes as part of kingdom hearts month uh kind of in the lead up to kingdom hearts 3 releasing on january 29th so we have one more episode uh next week featuring a very special guest uh damien garcia who was the person who requested this episode or i guess this series And uh, after that, we have a super-secret episode that is coming out uh, the day after the release of Kingdom Hearts 3. So this whole ride has been incredible. Uh, Going through each of the stories of each game has been really cool and just getting to relive some of the stories as well as experience new ones, because like most of these games I had previously played, but these last few, Coded, uh, Dream Drop Distance, uh, Unchained Key, Union Cross, and uh, this one I had never touched before. I had never uh, played, I had never uh, spoiled myself because I wanted to f- make sure I uh, experienced those games as I played them so uh this is again this is brand new territory for me and i hope you guys have been enjoying the episodes it feels like you have i've been getting a lot of really good feedback on these episodes as they are released and you guys have been just killer in uh supporting this podcast so far with uh positive feedback uh critical feedback and i've been able to take all that and grow as the uh as the year has gone by so we are coming up on uh just over a year for the podcast uh it's going to be in february and i am really really excited for everything that's coming but uh another milestone that we just hit uh we have recently hit over 2000 listeners uh gosh thank you thank you so much <laughs> for listening in and thank you for uh listening into uh last week's podcast which was uh one of our longer episodes it was covering uh Kingdom Hearts Union Cross as well as the back cover uh, cinematic and Man, that was a lot to get to, so I appreciate everyone who went back and uh, actually listened through it, because it is a winding story, to be sure. But uh, that's last week. This week, uh, Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Fragmentary Passage, Uh, I'm going to go with our uh, tried and true Kingdom Hearts retrospective format, where we're going to be talking about the background, we're going to be talking about the story, including a little previously because since this was released as part of a ps4 uh collection we didn't really we don't really have anything to talk about when it comes to remasters or re-releases like we have with the other games and then of course at the very end uh, after the jump we'll be checking out this week's comics countdown so to start off with the background of the uh of the game Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Fragmentary Passage is an action role-playing game on the PS4 and the game was actually originally hinted at with uh, Birth by Sleep Final Mix, which was released in January 2011 and was a originally a Japan-only release um, like most Final Mixes when they first came out. And if you haven't listened to our Birth by Sleep episode, you should go do that. You should really go do that. It's a really good episode on a really good game. Might be my favorite game in the series, you'll see. So, this game was originally teased as kind of the uh, secret episode of Birth by Sleep Final Mix as well as with the uh, re-release with the 1.5 and 2.5 remix uh, collection because originally in the uh, base Birth by Sleep game you had Aqua story, Ven's story, Terra story, and then like the final episode which was from Aqua's perspective where she went to Radiant Garden, fought Terra, and and um, everything happened from there. But with the release of Final Mix, as well as the 2.5 collection, uh, they added a secret episode where you had to like fill out the sticker album and all that stuff and beat it on a certain difficulty. And this secret episode takes place uh, not too long after the ending of the game with uh, Aqua basically wandering through uh, the realm of darkness. She encounters Heartless for the first time, and uh, it ends with her coming up to uh, Castle of Dreams that's been pulled into the darkness. Big cliffhanger and then it flashes up birth by sleep volume 2 and we really didn't know what was going to happen what was going on with that or uh, where that was going to go did it mean that we were going to be getting a sequel to birth by sleep was it just going to be folded into kingdom hearts 3 uh, we didn't really know what this was going to be but it ended up being this game uh, this game was meant by nomura to bridge the gap between birth by sleep and kingdom hearts 1 and it pretty much covered essentially all of the time between that and along with that it was also made to be kind of a uh, preview and a demo for kingdom hearts 3 a lot of the uh gameplay was similar to birth by sleep and the uh the concepts put there but enhanced in a way that we really hadn't seen before in other games this included uh some of the flow motion from Dream Drop Distance, uh, reaction commands, which had kind of evolved into these things called situation commands, and it was really meant to be almost a tech demo for Kingdom Hearts 3. And it was, as we've seen in trailers and uh, gameplay demos for Kingdom Hearts 3, that does seem to be the case, uh, because you're seeing stuff like the situation commands, like the shot locks, like the flow motion, and uh, this game, uh, along with being just gorgeous was really meant to, uh, I guess, be an anth- really kind of a, a compilation of all of the previous games that came before it, and in that it features uh, fragments of worlds from Birth by Sleep, but with a little bit of uh, main series flair when it comes to darkness, heartless, and all that stuff. And uh, it was officially announced along with the Kingdom Hearts 2.8 collection uh, on er, in September 2015. And uh, it's really interesting because I did some research. I wanted to know why it was uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 and why they picked that specifically. And uh, turns out Nomura actually did an interview where he explained it, where he sees uh, Birth by Sleep as 0.1. So 0.1 is, uh, I guess, past that. (laughs) Uh, So Birth by Sleep is 0.1. He sees uh, the key series or the Union Cross games as episode 0. And so he sees Fragmentary Passage as a 0.2, which is where we get 0.2 Fragmentary Passage. But he said that he also sees... uh, kingdom hearts dream drop distance as 2.6 as it came out after the uh 2.5 remix so he said he says in his words with the inclusion of kingdom hearts dream drop distance kingdom hearts uh back cover which is episode zero and kingdom hearts fragmentary passage which is 0.2 we have zero plus 2.6 plus 0.2 which comes out to 2.8 again the what are you thinking, man? What are you thinking? So I thought that was really interesting, just a weird uh, little background on that. Um, the big thing that really caught people's eye is uh, the game also features a new remix of the original Simple and Clean song, which I'm sure I will be uh, using as the intro to this, so definitely check that out. I remember listening to it for the first time, playing the game, and it was different and I wasn't sure if I liked it at first, but after hearing it a couple more times, I I really dig it. So that was a big thing because Simple and Clean, how it had been originally mixed for the first game was kind of a standard for all of the games that followed it. And as some of you have caught on uh, for all of the episodes that we've done pre Kingdom Hearts 2 along the timeline, uh, I've used Simple and Clean as the intro, where he's everything from Kingdom Hearts to afterwards, including uh, the Roxas stuff, I've used Sanctuary. So this was, those two were kind of like the main uh, Kingdom Hearts themes, and this whole new remix of it really, I think, colors the, I guess, my view of Simple and Clean in the way that it almost, it made it fresh again. So I really enjoyed that uh kingdom hearts 2.8 final chapter prologue was released on january 12 2017 in japan and was later released on january 24 2017 in the rest of the world so uh as we are coming up on the release of kingdom hearts 3 it will have been over two years one yeah two years since uh 2.8 came out which of course makes sense with uh, how long it's taken for us to go from Kingdom Hearts 2 to Kingdom Hearts 3. So yeah, that is the background for the game. Um, Next up we're going to be doing a uh, previously to kind of just catch you up, get you kind of in the mood, in the moment with uh, Aqua's story since Aqua does feature as the main character for this game. And uh, we will jump into that previously on now. Previously on Kingdom Hearts Young Keyblade wielders Aqua, Terra, and Ven are tasked by their master Ericus to face the Unversed which are creatures that spawn from darkness and have invaded the many worlds of the Kingdom Hearts universe. Along with this, the three are tasked with uh, finding Xehanort, Master Xehanort, who is a uh, Keyblade Master alongside Master Ericus, longtime friends, and Ventus is goaded by Venetis, a mysterious boy who is revealed later to be Xehanort's apprentice, to follow Terra and Aqua out into the worlds. Along their travels, they meet a young Mickey Mouse, who is essentially still a Keyblade Apprentice himself, and is working through uh, learning how to be a Keyblade Master, along with being dragged around by an item called the Star Shard. Uh, out of the three, Aqua Terra, and Ven, Aqua is the only uh, master of the group, gaining that prestigious title at the beginning of the game, while Terra, who was also up for the role, did not pass due to a large amount of darkness being held within his heart. We later find out that Ventus is part of a master plan by Master Xehanort to forge the Keyblade, or the X-Blade, which is how I'm going to be referring to it. Uh, The X-Blade is the key to opening Kingdom Hearts. One cannot exist without the other, so when you forge the Keyblade, or the X-Blade, You use a being of pure light and a being of pure darkness to forge the blade, and using the blade, you're able to access Kingdom Hearts. Ven is revealed to be that pure light, and Venetus is revealed to be the darkness that was settled in Ventus's heart, which Master Xehanort separated before the events of the game. The two coming together would forge the X-Blade as part of Xehanort's plan to not only access Kingdom Hearts, but to use its powers to rule all of the worlds. Uh, The three, after going on separate adventures, meet up at the Keyblade Graveyard where they face off with Xehanort and Venetus. Uh, Ventus and Venetus do end up merging and forging the X-Blade with Aqua facing a merged uh, Venetus and Ventus on the outside while Ventus and Venetus battle for control of Uh, Ven's body and his heart on the inside. Uh, Ventus is able to defeat Venetus and is able to shatter the uh, X-blade, though in the process shattering his own heart as well, putting him into a coma. Meanwhile, Xehanort and Terra duel atop the Keyblade Graveyard, and after defeating Xehanort, Terra is surprised when Xehanort uses his own Keyblade to unlock his heart and uses that to possess Terra basically uh, turning him into the Xehanort that we all know and are familiar with. Following this, Ventus is placed by Aqua in the Chamber of Waking inside of their former home, the Land of Departure. Aqua then uses her master Eraqus's Keyblade, who was felled by Terra earlier in the story, to lock the entire world, turning the Land of Departure into Castle Oblivion. So Ventus is safely kept away in the Chamber of Waking deep within Castle Oblivion where Aqua hopes no one will find him. Aqua then heads to Radiant Garden where she finds the possessed Terra also known as Terranort from here on out and the two do battle. Aqua ends up defeating Terranort but using his powers of darkness he tries to pull himself back into the realm of darkness with aqua chasing after aqua is able to use her keyblade along with her keyblade armor to send the unconscious terranort back into radiant garden where he awakes with amnesia aqua unfortunately is lost to the darkness and drifts off through the realm of darkness not to be heard again from for some time Again, Terranort wakes up inside of Radiant Garden after being awakened by uh, Ansem the Wise along with some of his apprentices. Uh, with supposed amnesia, he the only thing that he remembers is his name, Xehanort. Meanwhile, Aqua within the Realm of Darkness wanders for an unknown amount of time before she sees that Darkness, as well as these beings made of darkness, these shadows, or Heartless as we would come to know them, are exiting the realm of darkness into the realm of light. After battling some of the Heartless within the uh, Realm of Darkness, we find that the pieces for the beginning of the series are as they lay, with Ventus locked within the Castle Oblivion, which would soon be uh, overrun with the Organization thirteen members, with Terranort or Xehanort using his knowledge of the darkness along with his Dark Keyblade to uh, overthrow Ansem the Wise and collect some of the apprentices to form Kingdom... Or, uh, to form organization 13 also splitting his heart into two with his heart becoming the uh, ansem seeker of darkness heartless and his body becoming the nobody Zemnis, and aqua wandering in the realm of darkness waiting for a way out or for someone to rescue her so that is all the events leading up to this game, a quick recap, quick refresher, and now we will jump into the story of Kingdom Hearts 0.2, A Fragmentary Passage. We begin our story in a familiar place, though not the place you would expect, at the Keyblade Graveyard. Apparently following the events of the Keyblade War, we see Luxu, one of the apprentices of the Master of Masters, standing among the aftermath, the no-name Keyblade in hand with the mysterious box nestled next to him. He gazes up into the sky as Kingdom Hearts appears. Flashing forward to today, following the events of Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, Yen Sid, in the mysterious tower, speaking to Riku, King Mickey, and a newcomer, Kairi who he had recently called to the Tower to begin training to be a Keyblade Master. Their goal is to rescue Terra, Ventus, and Aqua, as they will be needed in the coming battle against Master Xehanort and his 13 Darknesses. Following this, Mickey reveals that the last time he saw Aqua was a little sooner than everyone knew. As he begins to tell the story, we flash back to the Realm of Darkness, Shortly after, Aqua discovers the Castle of Dreams trapped within the Realm of Darkness. As she tries to make her way towards the castle, a clock above it advances quickly, and the bridge and ground connecting the castle to a nearby town crumbles, trapping Aqua on the other side. Aqua enters the town to find gears that will repair the clock, and hopefully set it back to when the bridge was still together. Aqua soon finds and repairs each gear, building the bridge back, but before she can approach the bridge, a tower made of darkness and made of heartless, also known as the Demon Tower, appears. Aqua is able to vanquish it, but Following the battle, she seems to see Terra? She calls out to him, but there's no answer, and she follows him into another world that seems to be the Dwarf Woodlands. This world has also been pulled into the Realm of Darkness. After making her way through the area, she seems to find Ventus. She calls to him, but he, too, does not respond. After trying to follow him, she finds herself in the center of a room filled with mirrors and is pulled in by what seems to be her own reflection. She battles this phantom reflection of herself and soon finds out that this phantom reflection of her is a combination of her doubt and self-loathing, which is starting to affect her heart and is bringing her closer and closer to being lost to darkness. She makes her way out of the Realm of Mirrors and finds herself in the Enchanted Dominion, the realm of Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent. This world, as well, has been trapped in the realm of darkness, and may have been the first due to what we know of Maleficent and her goals to rule all of the other worlds. She finds herself chasing through this forest made of thorns, chasing after Ventus and Terra, though she finds herself unable to catch up to them. Making her way further into the forest, she finds herself confronted by multiple dark side heartless. For those of you who remember, these dark side are hundreds of feet tall and are just badass. <laughs> uh, she makes her way through this forest, vanquishing dark sides as she goes until she makes it into a clearing where she finds herself confronted by hundreds of dark sides, all feeding into this giant orb in the sky. Aqua is able to make her way to the main dark side who is harboring the giant orb and is able to defeat it, destroying the orb and sending the dark side scurrying back further into the realm of darkness. Aqua after reaffirming her want and her hope that she'll be able to find her friends presses on. She finally is able to catch up to Terra and Ventus after she has gone deeper into the realm of darkness. But at this point she is already resigned to this idea that these are merely illusions and that she is hallucinating. However, Terra turns around and answers her, and Terra reveals the truth to her that Terra and Ventus are illusions, but they are illusions conjured by her memories of them, illusions conjured by her own heart, and that she's stronger than she thinks she is, having survived within the realm of darkness for so long. Before Aqua can get Terra to elaborate on how long she's been there, Terra reveals to her that he's not in control of his body and that he can't actually see her, but his heart is calling out to hers. It's here that Xehanort takes control of the connection and tries to get Aqua to tell him the location of Ventus. Terra, however, is able to reform the projection of his heart and is able to restrain Xehanort just long enough for Aqua to escape. She is unfortunately caught by another dark side and pulled into a portal as Terra faces off with this Terranort illusion. Aqua is then left adrift in darkness and almost loses her wayfinder that she created along with Terra and Ventus until a familiar friend arrives. This friend is Mickey Mouse, who is making his way through the realm of darkness. He is able to catch Aqua and bring them back both to solid ground. And after a happy reunion, Mickey unfortunately has to tell her everything that's been going on. He reveals to her that 10 years have passed since they've seen each other, and darkness is starting to make its way back into the world. To combat this, Mickey has ventured into the Realm of Darkness to seek the Kingdom Key D, which he will hopefully use with the wielder of the Kingdom Key of the Realm of Light, to seal the Door to Darkness, seal the Door to Kingdom Hearts, and rescue the worlds from the impending darkness. Shortly after this, the Demon Tower returns, and the two Keyblade Masters are able to fend it off. Aqua tells Mickey that she will help him in any way that she can, and the two venture forward further into the Realm of Darkness. After a while, they find themselves on a familiar setting, Destiny Islands. Aqua remembers that this is the place that she met those two boys, Sora and Riku, and remembers that Riku was the recipient of Terra's inheritance ceremony. Mickey surmises that this might be the place that they're looking for, the place where they may find the Kingdom Key D. They head into the secret place, but before they can make their way through the door, they are attacked yet again by the Demon Tower, this time having evolved into a Demon Tide. The two Keyblade Masters battle ferociously with the Demon Tide and are finally able to vanquish it once and for all. They head beyond the door and find themselves in a pitch black space with the only light emanating from a Keyblade, the Kingdom Key-D. Mickey and Aqua make their way to the Keyblade, but find their way to Destiny Islands sealed off behind them. They're trapped. However, once Mickey gains possession of the Kingdom Key-D, they find themselves in front of the door to Kingdom Hearts. And off in the distance, they see a young Riku heading towards the door to seal it, along with Sora on the other side. Before they can help Riku, however, the Demon Tide returns, attacking and damaging Mickey, stripping him of some of his clothes and quickly heading towards Riku to head him off. Aqua is able to defend Riku and beats back the Demon Tide, but in response, the Demon Tide takes her back through the now-reappeared door back into Destiny Islands and seals the door behind them. And Mickey has no choice but to press forward and help Riku and Sora seal the door in the hopes that this will shut off the darkness from the Realm of Light. Back on Destiny Islands, Aqua faces off with the Demon Tide one last time, saying, The battle for the Realm of Light is not won. Thanks to Terra and Mickey, I know what's at stake. I'm not afraid. I will face the long darkness. The next time someone wanders into the Realm of Darkness, I'll be here. light to cut through all the shadows. I will be their wayfinder, and one day I'll return to Terra and Ven. I am Master Aqua, and that's a promise." And with that, she clashes with the Demon Tide one last time as everything goes to black. Sometime later, Aqua is laying on the shoreline, having seemingly defeated the Demon Tide. However, her opponent was not easily conquered, and she seems to be motionless, laying on the beach. Soon, the clouds and the sky changes and turns into a night sky. The stars begin to rain down, showing that the worlds are being restored. They did it. As Destiny Island starts to slowly disappear under her, returning to its place in the Realm of Light, Aqua begins to drift off. Once again adrift among the realm of darkness, she speaks out, saying, May our hearts be our guiding key. You'll know where I am. As she falls deeper and deeper into the darkness. Some time has passed when we next see her as she approaches a cloaked figure along the dark shoreline. We know from a previous secret ending that this figure is Ansem the Wise, and that their conversation will reignite her hope that she will one day be rescued. Back today in the mysterious tower, Riku, after hearing this story, lashes out at Mickey, angry that he let her make such a sacrifice for him. Yen Sid intervenes and defuses the situation, telling Riku that neither he nor Mickey were strong enough at the time to rescue Aqua, and that he swore Mickey to secrecy following this event, because he knew that if Riku and Sora found out about any of this, they would plan some foolish rescue mission, which, before, they would never survive. However, Riku is now a Keyblade Master, having gained the power of waking from the events of Dream Drop Distance and he and Mickey are now strong enough to head into the Realm of Darkness and rescue Master Aqua. Yensid then says that this is their next mission and that they will need to rescue Aqua before the final confrontation with Xehanort. He then tells Kairi that she will be training with Lee in the place that's a little more temporally flexible and will give both her and Lee the time that they need to train to become Keyblade Masters for the ensuing battle. Yen Sid then gives Riku and Mickey new clothes to help them traverse the Realm of Darkness without being lost to it, which is what we can assume are the clothes that the two are wearing in Kingdom Hearts 3. Sometime later, Sora returns to the mysterious tower with Donald and Goofy, following his own ending in Dream Drop Distance, going to visit his friends, the Dream Eaters, in the sleeping version of Traverse Town. He finds that everyone's left, everyone has already moved on to their own missions, and he really has no one to blame for missing them but himself. Yen Sid then explains to Sora that he can't join his friends just yet, because due to his brush, with almost becoming one of Xehanort's vessels, Sora has lost all of his previously gained abilities and powers, and that he will need to recover them, as well as unlock the power of waking to be of any use to his friends, as well as the side of light in the incoming battle. He then tells Sora that maybe he should look to an old friend to get his power back, someone who is also a hero, who at one point lost his power and was later able to regain it. Of course, this is referencing Hercules back in Olympus Coliseum. He tells Sora that heading there and helping Hercules may be the key to him re-unlocking the abilities that he'd lost. So Sora, Donald, and Goofy are tasked with going and recovering Sora's abilities along with gaining the power of waking, and then they'll be able to join their friends. Back on the gummy ship, Sora, Donald, and Goofy are trying to figure out a way to get to Olympus Coliseum, because due to the events of Kingdom Hearts 2 where they resealed all of the worlds off from each other, the gateways are closed. There's really no way for them to get from the Mysterious Tower to Olympus Coliseum. And with no obvious way to traverse these worlds, Sora seems pretty disenchanted. Luckily, Goofy references an old saying that Yen Sid used to tell them. May your heart be your guiding key. And with that, Sora summons his keyblade, and using not only his keyblade, but the memories of his heart, he opens a gateway to Olympus Colosseum. And with that, the three friends head through the portal in the hopes to finally... reconnect. And that is it for Kingdom Hearts 0.2, A Fragmentary Passage. I hope you liked this uh, story recap, Uh, this was one of the shorter ones, we're clocking at just over uh, 30 minutes at this point, but um, even though it was a super short game and the story was uh, a little bit less than we're normally used to, I really enjoyed it, I loved new graphics the gameplay was solid and tight and if kingdom hearts 3 is just a perfected version of this i am gonna have a ton of fun with this game And I hope you guys had a ton of fun with this retrospective series. It has been a long road we have been going Uh, since the beginning of July. We have been trucking through every single game. The ups, the downs, the ridiculous uh, story stuff. Sora gaining abilities, losing abilities, gaining abilities, losing abilities. Uh, He even makes a a joke about it when they're talking about uh, Yen Sid basically telling him, like, you lost all your powers. And, um... Sora seems really sad for a moment, but then he goes, yeah, whatever happens all the time Like I belly laughed when I first watched that it was Hilarious and the fact that they they kind of know and they're self-aware that This thing keeps happening. I really I just enjoy and I've enjoyed going through every single story and I cannot wait For Kingdom Hearts 3. It's just two weeks away now. I am so stupid excited i've all <laughs> i've already requested off the day that it comes out and the day after from work just so i can get some time to really sink my teeth into this game it is one of the one of my most highly uh anticipated games i think ever just because we've been waiting we've been waiting for 12 what is this 13 we've been waiting for 13 years since kingdom hearts 2 for this game so i am really excited about this um i'm sure you've heard if you are familiar with kingdom hearts at all if you've been following it at all that uh certain aspects of the game have been leaked which sucks but uh, is bound to happen most AAA titles um experience lots more leaks than we've actually gotten for this game so um, it sucks, but if you are like me and you have been staying away from all of the leaks and all the spoilers, uh, I salute you. And I am just really excited. And I think Nomura almost must have known that something like this would happen because he has reserved the epilogue as well as the secret movie to be a free DLC that won't be released with the game, but after. Actually, after the games, that no one can leak that or uh, no one will be spoiled, which I think is so cool. And it's taking advantage of the new format of how games are these days as opposed to how they used to be when Kingdom Hearts 2 came out. So, uh, that is going to do it for this Kingdom Hearts retrospective series. Thank you for going on this ride with me. I have enjoyed it and I hope you have too. Uh, once again, um, Feel free, as always, to let me know your favorite parts of this game, what you liked, what you didn't like. Um, feel free to reach out to us at uh, Pod. that's at P O D on Twitter uh, feel free also to send me emails because I'm an old man and I still read emails at uh, Geeksplained at gmail.com uh, we're also teasing you know we're toying around with the idea right now of uh, setting up a Facebook page as well as an Instagram page so if you would like to see that also please let me know and I will uh, take any and all feedback Uh, as I have throughout this entire journey. So, uh, once again, thanks for sticking with me. Next week, we will be doing the top seven uh, Kingdom Hearts moments of both me as well as my special guest, Damian Garcia. Uh, The two of us will be comparing our... our top seven moments of the entire franchise and it's going to be it's going to be a pretty spirited discussion we recorded it already i'm excited for you guys to listen to it and for you guys to uh compare with us let us know what your uh top seven moments in the kingdom Hearts franchise are but for now uh we will see you then in the meantime and between time make sure to stick around after the jump for this week's comics countdown Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of the podcast where I talk about the top five, sometimes more, sometimes less, comics that I picked up this week and that I think you should pick up too. We've got a few on the docket today. Um, it's been a little weird jumping back and forth between uh, companies this week. Um, quality has been kind of all over the place, and I have been, uh, really down on some books, uh, picking up others. Uh, this week we have... One, two, three, one, two, three, four, five. We have six, uh, on deck, uh, and only two of them are DC, with the other four being Marvel. Uh, DC has been playing with my heart a lot recently, and so that, um kind of reflects in the books that I've picked up, but um, they've also been firing on all cylinders when it comes to the books that they do seem to really have a handle on. As for Marvel, they're dealing with a lot of stuff going on. They're dealing with the return of dead characters. They're dealing with the return of fan-favorite teams. They're also dealing with um, just a lot of good old-fashioned storytelling, so we will go ahead and jump into uh, the books as always i will be letting you know the title of the book along with the creative team as well doing a short synopsis using my synopsis voices if you have a synopsis voice that you would like me to try out on a future episode feel free to let me know at geek explained pod that's at geek explained pod on twitter or through email to geeksplained at gmail.com. First up, we have Return of Wolverine, number four of five, uh, written by Charles Sewell with art by Declan Shelby. This is the final book that Declan Shelby is uh, on art duties for in this series. Um, I, God, I can't remember. I don't know why I'm blanking so hard on who is coming back to the book. I'm going to look that up right now. I am vamping currently. Uh, I really should have looked this up before I started recording this, but I have not. So (laughs) you now get to listen to me. Uh, Steve McNiven. Steve McNiven is returning to the book for the final issue. uh, And I'm going to kind of miss Declan Shalvey. I I like Declan Shalvey as an artist he's one of my favorites i really enjoy him and i kind of personally would have preferred to have him throughout the entire uh all five issues but uh mcniven started the book and so he's going to end the book as well Uh, we're going to jump into a short and sweet synopsis right now can logan handle the truth of what he's done parental advisory so yeah really descriptive uh not vague at all (laughs) um yeah this is uh it's been a good book so far with a lot of different twists and turns so i am uh, excited to see how this all comes together even though i'm still confused on why he has the uh the heated up claws and where he fits in the larger marvel universe uh hopefully we will get more answers as we have been slowly going through a character study on Logan the Wolverine. Next up from DC we have Red Hood Outlaw number 30. Uh, This book went under a drastic transformation jumping from uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws with uh, Bizarro and Artemis into just Red Hood Outlaw, where he is striking out on his own and killing people once again. Uh, this is written by Scott Lobdell with art by Pete Woods, and this is an interesting story for him. Uh, he has been tracking down the uh, basically the drug cartel that was the focus of his previous mission with Arsenal who, spoilers, has recently quote-unquote died in heroes in crisis so um this is this whole thing has been really messing with jason and i really enjoy uh i love tortured characters i know that sounds weird but i like seeing them uh, deal with adversity and how they deal with adversity so um we'll jump to the synopsis here will the red hood's latest campaign be his last Jason's hot on the heels of the drugs he and Arsenal recently tracked to Beijing, but instead of finally encountering the mysterious solitary, he finds himself face to face with a figure from his past. Plus, who's the new wingman, and why is he tracking the Red Hood? And how can he and Jason be in the same place at the same time? Find Out in Outlaw, Part 5. So, yeah. Um, I'm interested to see what's going on with this new wingman Uh, for those of you who may not be familiar wingman was a previous identity that Jason uh, held with um, him being him being wingman and I believe it was Damien as Redbird, I think Redbird was the name uh, when they were kind of striking out on their own as a team so uh, I'm interested to see who this is I'm not really sure who that could be and uh, we'll find out from there next up we have fantastic four number six uh written by dan slot with art by aaron cuter and which i love i love aaron cuter's art and uh covered by assad ribic of course and this is an interesting one uh we just wrapped up the wedding of ben Grimm and um alicia masters and i am really 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 interested in seeing what happens next because uh the heralds of galactus have returned along with the big purple man himself and um dr doom has declared war on him so uh, i'll jump with the synopsis here herald of doom galactus has returned to devour the earth and only one man can save us dr doom and where is that agitator reed richards and his meddlesome family what are they doing They're locked in battle against the brave new hero of the Latverian people, Victorious. So I'm not sure if Victorious is who I think he is, but um, I'm ready for uh, Doom vs. Galactus. This is going to be a really, really cool story, and I think um, Dan Slott has really been doing his best to... uh, Make this Fantastic Four feel familiar but new. So I'm interested to see where they go from here. Uh, one book that I think is familiar to many fans but new to others is Marvel Comics Presents Number One, uh, written by Charles Sewell with art by Paolo Siqueira. I'm sure I said that wrong, and for that I apologize. But uh, yeah, this is really cool. Uh, Marvel Comics Presents was originally kind of like an anthology series that would showcase different characters doing different things. And this one is featuring three of my favorite Marvel characters, so we'll jump right into the synopsis here. The classic Marvel series returns from Marvel's 80th anniversary. Three titanic tales celebrating the first decade of Marvel stories first an all-new tale of the man they call the wolverine begins in the 1940s then comes captain america the first avenger of world war ii still fighting for freedom today and finally the untold tale of namor and the atom bomb so yeah uh this is really cool um i love this kind of um anthology stuff and i'm a huge sucker for world war ii and with uh wolverine so this is definitely a must pick up from me uh, i'm interested to see how many issues this is going to end up being and if they're going to stick with these characters or if they're it's going to be a rotating roster um marvel comics presents in the past has done both so i'm really looking forward to this next up we have detective comics number 996 uh written by peter j tomasi with art by doug Monkey. This has been really good so far and has been really dark, which, of course, is enhanced by Doug Monkey's art. Uh, It's really, really cool. Um, The uh, story, the overarching story, has been really interesting so far, uh, dealing with the death of Leslie Tompkins, with the attack on Alfred. Uh, I am really looking forward to this, so we'll jump into the synopsis here. In the catacombs under Paris, Henry Ducard is not gonna sit and wait for the death that's coming for everyone who helped to train Batman. He's gonna wrestle it to the ground and pull a bullet between its eyes. Good plan, but uh, what if it just gets right back up? Can even Batman save him then? So yeah, um, this is really interesting because whoever this seems to be, which it seems to be uh, maybe the Joker, maybe Bane, Um, is kind of waging war on Batman and anyone who's connected to him. So I'm really interested to see where this goes. Henry Ducard is a character that I don't think gets enough of a spotlight, so I'm excited to see him pop up again. But for me, my number one book this week is Invaders Number 1, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Carlos Magno and Butch Guise. Or Goose? I don't know. I apologize. (laughs) But, um, yeah, this is the return of the premier uh, Marvel team that was formed originally in the 1940s. Uh, This team consists of Captain America, Namor, uh, Bucky, who is now the Winter Soldier, along with the Human Torch. Uh, We're not sure exactly which Human Torch is going to be featured in this book. Uh, It's not totally clear, but it's assumed to be the original, the, uh, the Victor Hammond version, but um, yeah, I am stupid excited for this book, and we will jump into the synopsis now. The greatest generation of Marvel heroes is back to stop one of their own. In commemoration of Marvel's 80th anniversary and springing from events in the pages of Avengers and the best events, the Marvel Universe's first super team is back. Captain America, the Human Torch, the Winter Soldier, Namor. They fought in World War II together as the invaders. But now, Namor is the enemy, a global threat more powerful than ever. His deadly plans are as deep and far-reaching as the ocean, and revelations about his past could threaten the Marvel Universe. It's up to his old teammates to stop him, but what chance do they have against the man who knows their every move? War Ghost begins here. Uh, first of all, War Ghost is a super cool name, uh, and that being the name of this first arc is pretty cool. Um, I'm a again, I'm a sucker for World War II, and the fact that this original team is going to be reuniting, even if it is to take down uh, one of their t- old teammates. Uh, is super cool and the idea of going against someone who knows you and has history with you is an awesome storytelling beat and i am always up for more uh cap teaming up with winter soldier so uh those are the books for this week uh for a recap we have detective comics number 996 fantastic four number six red hood outlaw number 30 marvel comics presents number one return of wolverine number four and invaders number one uh if i missed any books that you think we should be picking up or you uh have picked up these books and you want to gush about how good they are again feel free to reach us at Explained Pod on twitter as well as through geeksplained at gmail.com In email form and that is gonna wrap it up for this week Um, I want to let you folks know I have been neck deep in Red Dead Redemption 2 for a little while now a little over two weeks I just finished the game a couple days ago and oh man it's so good it's so good it's so good Um, if you are interested in me doing like a review for the game I wasn't planning on it but if you are interested please let me know I loved this game it was so good Um, but first we got to finish up strong with, uh, Kingdom Hearts month and we are looking into the future with, uh, interviews, um, looking into doing more series as well as a new, uh, kind of interview style segment called, uh, what is being a geek to you title pending of course, but, um, yeah so look forward to all that and again look forward to next week's uh, top seven kingdom hearts moments with uh, special guest damien garcia but until then for geeksplain this is eric Azana. thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time how did i live in a kingdom of Things they don't really mean, really mean, oh You're only everything I ever dreamed, ever dreamed of, ever dream-